Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Monday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program, and happy Tu Bishvat. Our Tu Bishvat program is rolling on a Monday here at JM in the AM. Sefer Hashem 
Oh! 
J.M. in the A.M. Tu Bishvat morning. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We uh, celebrate Tu Bishvat together each and every year. Today is the 6th of February and day number 15 in the month of Shvat. Obviously, Tu Bishvat, 5783. You've heard some amazing classics. Ilanit with Eretz Eretz. I remember when Mayor Weingarten of Blessed Memory introduced that song to us for Tu Bishvat. Moshav Band with a song that came out last year, Adam, Elon, done by Yidl, Ashkedia and Tubishvat from the 
classic Israeli music holiday albums. Masach Hashem, our Monday morning theme song from Mayor Sherman, and of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to Tubishvat 5783. Rabbi Benji Kramer is going to join us. Rabbi David Hertzberg is going to join us. We're introducing a brand new show, which will air on the Nachum Siegel Network Tuesdays after JM in the AM. Details about that later on. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nachum Siegel Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. A tradition we started last year when um, we were still in the midst of year one without our dear friend, Mayor Weingarten. Um, a tradition we started last year is that we are going to play some of the segments that Mayor shared with us over the years during our Tubishvat specials with a big thank you to Avrami, who worked hard to uh, glean some of those uh, incredible segments from the, uh, from the archives. So thank you, Avrami, for that. Much appreciated. Listener Klein says... Happy Tubishvat as bucks are supposed to rip our teeth out. Love that we have a chag to thank the trees and all they give us. Well, I'm not sure as we've debated over the years on this show. I'm not sure what the pur- <laughs> what the physical purpose of Buxer is. We know what the connection to Israel uh, was and is that it serves. I'm actually holding a piece of Buxer in my hand that was delivered to me last night. So I thank uh, I thank the Aaron Price family. They're responsible for this Buxer. Being here at the Tubishvat special. Thank you to the Aaron Price family from all of us here at JM and the AM. As a Mayor Weingarten used to note, Buxer is uh, something that was uh, implemented at the uh, insistence of the dentists out there in our community. <laughs> the carob, the dried carob. But I, uh, I always felt as mayor, as mayor lamented it, I always felt it was important and traditional to keep the uh, custom going. So. I am, again, keeping it going. Oak Park, California says, Happy Tubishvat. No Tachanun today. That is correct. No Tachanun today. Today, according to Trucker Yitz, is the day to pray for a beautiful Estrog. Chag Tubishvat Sameach. And he says, Happy New Year to the trees. Uh, listener Mensch says, Please uh, pray for Harav Tzvi Hirsch Ben Mindel and Aaron Tzvi Mayer Ben Manya Rifka, who could use a complete Rafua. Again, that is Harav Tzvi Hirsch Ben Mindel. And Aaron Svi Mayor Ben Manya Rifkin, of course, your help with that is greatly appreciated. So I mentioned that uh, we've started a new tradition, unfortunately, which is uh, that we place, I say unfortunately because we miss him so much, we place some of the segments from Mayor Weingarten and past Tubishvat specials. Here is a mayor on the topic of Birkat Hamazon, on the topic of benching on a Tubishvat at JM in the AM. In Birchat Hamazon, the first bracha is a, a universal bracha. Right. Everything is hakol. Kulo betuvo, right. azanat hakol. The second bracha is about the land of Israel. Right. Right? And um, the, the Talmud tells us that Moshe sort of in, intuited the first bracha and Yehoshua the second bracha. Right. Because... In the Midbar, you're, you're with everybody. You're not alone. You're not in your land. And God is giving you food. So God provides for everybody. But once we come to the land of Israel, the second bracha, the, the Gemara says that Yehoshua intuited it. Because that makes sense, that Yehoshua, who brought them into the land, was 
giving them the bracha about thanking God for the land and the produce of the land. Al Haaretz al Hamazon. And the Gemara actually asks, we know that a bracha can only be on one thing. You can only make one bracha per thing. Right. Why do we make al Haaretz al Hamazon? Because that's what it is. Because the Aretz gives us the mazon. When we have our own home, it provides us with food. And a lot of the benching that we say is not about thank you for the food. You know, we always think benching is saying thank you for the food. Well, there's stuff in there that has no relevance to thank you for the food. Right? Right? And then the Berichat HaTov HaMetiv, what's that about? That's about the Haruge Beitar and the Bar Kochva revolt. What does that have to do with thanking you for food? Because it really is about thanking God for the land of Israel, that when we have it, we, are, we can provide ourselves with food. It's the national entity. And so with Bar Kochva revolt, the national entity ended. That was it until recently right. in, in our generations. That's the end of the national entity. Uvnei Yerushalayim, again, after the Chorban Abayit, we're asking God, bring us back to Yerushalayim. What's that doing in benching? And the answer is that, that Birkat Hamazon has a national perspective, an, a Zionist perspective, if you will. And that explains the minhag of singing before Birkat Hamazon on Shabbat and holidays, what does that have to do with Birchad Amazon? I you think about that. Why are we singing about going back to Zion before we're thanking God for food? Because we're not just thanking God for food, we're thanking God for the land. And so it makes sense that we would say before that. And on unholidays, on sad days, what do we say? Al Naharot Bavel. It fits right in. Otherwise, how do you explain that? I'll never by Vel Shami Shevin. Why is that an introduction to benching? It's an introduction to benching because we're in Gullus again. I'll never by Vel Shami Shevin Gambachina. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Mayor Weingarten is here. It's a Tubishvat special at JM and the AM. By the way, just an addendum to what we spoke about before. Yeah. About Birkat Hamazon being not as much about thanking God for the food as much as thanking God for the national ability to live in a land and sustain themselves, right. sustain ourselves. So if you think about the Pasuk, which comes right after the Pasuk of Shivat Haminim, what, what is the biblical, um, um, the biblical uh, verse that tells us, that gives us the commandment that you have to thank God after the food? It says, as Hashem For what? Al one would think that it would say, Alochel, you know, for all the sustenance that he's given. Right. Doesn't mention food. Wow. And the whole thing, that whole context is the land that God is bringing you in. It's a great land and this and that. And then it has the seven seven species and so forth. And then it says, Very cool. Set ye fula, 
Thank you. 
שאת פה ואת כל כך יפה, ממך אני בורח כמו ממגפה, עוד יש הרבה דברים שרציתי לעשות, את בטח תסלחי לי גם בשנה הזאת. אני יעל, עוד לא אהבתי דם, הרוח והשמש על Thank you. 
צדיק. יא. צדיק, התמר יפרח, כארז בלבנון יזכה, שתולים בבית השם, בבית השם. צדיק, כתמר יפרח, כארז בלבנון יזכה, שתולים בבית השם, בבית השם. So, just on Tzadik, yeah. it is yet one of the many, 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 probably thousands of metaphors in Tanakh that use agriculture. Because the Jewish people living in the land of Israel were an agricultural-based society. And so when the Navi wants to tell them, when the, when the prophet wants to give over a message to, He uses a metaphor that they're used to and that they can quickly hook up with. Right. And so this one, like so many others, Sadiq, a, a, a righteous person, an innocent person, Katamar Yifrach, will blossom like a, a date tree, which is very tall, right, and blossoms at the top. Ke'erez balvanon yizgeh, and an erez is a very strong tree. It's the Arzea Levanon were known all over the world as being the strongest trees. Cedar trees of Lebanon. Yes. So he will, he will, um, he will go forth like a, like a cedar tree. Shetulim b'veit Hashem, and then they are in the house of the Lord, but they're just not in the house. They're shetulim b'veit Hashem, right? They're planted like a shetil in the Beit Hashem. B'chatzot elokeinu yefrichun. And they're going to blossom, right? Od yinuvun b'seva, and then as they get older, they will have... They will be alive and fruit like Yaniv. They'll be 
there'll be um, um, wet, so to speak, and um, moist. Moist. That's the word. Moist and alive, filled with energy. And that is a way of saying God is God is Yashar, he is straight, he keeps his word and so forth. Amazing.
Tubishvat morning. Tzadik done by Shoresh. Tzadik done by the Nochi Krone Band. That was uh, in light of Mayor Weingarten's explanation of Tzadik Katamar Yufrach on this Tubishvat morning. Diaspora had Tzadik Katamar, Arik Sinai with Shuvi La Pardes, Odlo Hafti Dai from Yoharam Gaon, and Avi Toledano with Hora here at JM in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Rather, well, the web at NachumSiegel.com on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Golly, it's on the background to our news from Israel coming up. Happy Tubishvat! Ashkedia Porachat! Tubishvat Samech to everybody! And thanks for joining us from around the world. Much appreciated. Plenty coming up. Special guests and more on a Tubishvat morning, plus more from Mayor Weingarten of Blessed Memory, who left us with uh, countless amazing segments regarding this amazing day. Galetzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next. We say Boker Tov from Jam the Galetzal, Shalom Rav, Baulpan Miriam Bloch, Imashe Koreach Shav. 
בטורקיה רעידת אדמה נוספת בעוצמה של 7.5 הורגשה באזור הדרום. מניין ההרוגים ברעידה שהיכתה לפנות בוקר עלה ליותר מאלף. עם הפרטים כתבת חדשות החוץ שחר קנוטובסקי. רעידת אדמה נוספת בעוצמה של 7.5 הכתה בדרום מרכז טורקיה. כלי תקשורת בסוריה ובעיראק דיווחו כי גם אצלם הורגשה רעידת האדמה. מוקדם יותר עדכן נשיא טורקיה ארדואן כי מספר ההרוגים בארצו עלה ל-912 בני אדם ומספר הפצועים עבר את ה-5,000. בסוכנות הסורית סאנה מדווחים על 371 הרוגים עד כה. ראש הממשלה נתניהו אמר לפני שעה קלה נסייע לטורקיה ולסוריה. ביממה האחרונה הייתה רעידת אדמה קשה מאוד בטורקיה, שחבקה בקשת גם אזורים אחרים. אני הנחיתי לשלוח, לפי בקשת ממשלת טורקיה, צוותי חילוץ, הצלה ומזור רפואי. כך אנחנו נוהגים ברחבי העולם, כך אנחנו נוהגים גם בקרבתנו, וכיוון שנתקבלה גם בקשה לעשות זאת לנפגעים רבים מהרעש בסוריה, הנחיתי לעשות זאת גם כן. בתוך כך תושבים רבים בארץ דיווחו כי הרגישו את הרעש, אין נפגעים ולא נגרם נזק. מדווחת כתבתנו בתל אביב, אנה פינס. המשטרה מעדכנת שרעש האדמה הורגש בכל אזור המרכז ותושבים רבים דיווחו על רעידה בבתיהם ובמרחב הציבורי. מספר דיירים ועובדים במגדלים באזור גוש דן החליטו להתפנות לרחוב, אך לא נרשמו נפגעים. גם בעמק הירדן מדווחים בבתי הספר שהורגשה רעידת האדמה. תלמידים פונו לפי הנוהל, נכון לרגע זה חזרו ללמוד כרגיל. המדינה לא ערוכה לרעידת אדמה. רעידת אדמה לא מבינים ולמעלה צריכים להתעורר. זה לא שאלה של אם, זה שאלה של מתי. שכונות שלמות יקרסו ברעידת אדמה, המדינה לא נוקפת אצבע, כל מיזמי התמ"א 38 וחיזוק מבנים מתבצעים באופן מגוחך. יש תשע ערים באזור הצפון ועוד אחת אילת. תנו את העדיפות. הרפורמה המשפטית. שר החקלאות אבי דיכטר הגיב ביומן הצהריים על קריאתו אמש של נשיא המדינה הרצוג לעצור את החקיקה על מנת לקיים הידברות בין הצדדים ואמר לאמיר איבגי הרוחות התלהטו בצורה מוגזמת. לגיטימי לחלוטין שנשיא המדינה ינסה להרגיע את הרוחות שבאמת התלהמו בצורה הייתי אומר חסרת פרופורציה. אגב עוד לפני שנאמרה המילה הראשונה בנושא של הרפורמה במערכת המשפט עצם הניצחון שלנו בבחירות כל הדברים האלה תורגמו להפגנות, לאו דווקא על הנושא של הרפורמה במשפט. תושב עכו כבן 25 נפצע בינוני ברגלו מירי בעיר. צוות מגן דוד אדום פינה אותו למרכז הרפואי לגליל בנהריה. כתבנו קובי מנדל מוסר כי הרקע לאירוע פלילי. ומזג האוויר הגשם מתפשט בשעות הקרובות למרכז הארץ, ומשעות אחר הצהריים קיים חשש משיטפונות במדבר יהודה ובים המלח. הלילה הגשם ירד גם עד צפון הנגב. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד.
J.M. and the A.M. with the classic Al Kol Ayla. It's Naomi Shemer, of course, here at J.M. and the A.M. Uh, we've invited a couple of special guests to join us this morning for our Tubishvat program. Uh, the first is, of course, Rai Benji Kramer, who has taken on the incredible task of continuing the amazing tradition here at JMNAM and the Nahum Siegel Network of what we call Meir Milim, a segment where Mayor Weingarten of Blessed Memory used to analyze the Hebrew language for us, piece by piece, root by root, if you will. And in addition to that, there's no doubt that Rabbi Kramer has some thoughts about Tubishvat 5783. So with that in mind, Rabbi Benji Kramer, Chag Tubishvat Sameach, and welcome back to JM in the AM. Chag Sameach Nachum, Chag Sameach to all your listeners. Um, I wanted to actually start with Tu Bishvat. Yeah. And um, listening to Mayor over the past half hour is 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 hard to move on with that, <laughs> but it's so bittersweet in so many ways. So it's just so amazing to hear his voice again. <sighs> anyway. Um, no I question about it. By the, and by the way, by the way, I'm sorry to interrupt, but <laughs> now that you've brought up, now that you've brought up the... Uh, uh, the obvious um, memories that we have for Mayor on a day like Tu Bishvat. I have to mention, I have to mention Rabbi Kramer. I don't know if you heard earlier that I dedicated this morning's program to the Aaron Price family. Did you by any chance hear that that segment? I did not. And the reason I dedicated this morning's program to the Aaron Price family is a reason that would make Mayor cringe. And that's because <laughs> the Aaron Price family made sure that I would have an ample supply of Buxer for this uh, for this morning's program. And if you remember, because you were a very dedicated listener to the Tubishvat programs, if you remember, the Buxer was a point of contention between yes, me between me and Mar <laughs> Weingarten. So right. I, I just have to mention that uh, early this morning. Uh yes, we have Buxer. And uh and and, and the one who claimed that uh that Buxer was a uh, an invention of the dentists in our community, <laughs> that they were the ones who implemented the custom, was, of course, the great Mayor Weingarten. Anybody who's ever tried Buxer knows exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't, try some dried carob, and you'll find out exactly what I mean. So, Rabbi Kramer, what are your thoughts on this Tubishvat morning? I wanted to talk a little bit about the history of Tubishvat. I think Mayor used to do that from sure. time to time. Yep. Um, and I want to divide it into five different categories, believe it or not. Nice. And then talk a little bit about Ivrit, if we can. Uh, it was recently Eliezer Ben Yehuda's 100th yard site 
um, around Hanukkah time. I never talked about it. I want to talk about him and what he did. Amazing stuff. So let's start. The most obvious source of uh, of Tubishvat is um, is the Mishnah at the beginning of Masechet Rosh Hashanah. Um, it, it, it talks about the different uh, New Years, New Year of that we all know, and the New Year of the trees. Right. Rosh Hashanah Ilan, a machlok and a disagreement between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel. Is it the first of of Shvat or Tu Bishvat. Um, now, th- this is, uh, some people I saw, saw call it a birthday of the trees. I don't think it's really a birthday of the trees. It's, it's a very halachic technical uh, ruling having to do with, mostly with the tithing, with trumot, the special mitzvot that have to do with, with uh, Israel, with uh, Eretz Israel. And uh, just like on January 1st, there's a, a break. I can't take any deductions in 2023 for things that I did in 2022. Right. Um, I can't uh, claim any salaries from 2022 for 2023. So I cannot take fruit from, uh, from before Tu Bishvat uh, on, on Tavshin Pei Gimel uh, and use it to, to, uh, to take Trumot or Ma'asrot the tithing in Israel uh, for after Tu Bishvat. It's like a, a break in the in the year, so to speak. There's a disagreement whether it also applies to the three years of a tree, which we call Arla, where the tree is off limits in the first three years. How does it apply? It definitely applies, but how does it apply is is a little bit technical. Does it apply to Shemitah? It does, sort of, but it's a machloket whether it really fully applies to the seventh year uh, where the land lies uh, fallow. Um, in terms of using the fruits and, and the holiness of the fruits. Um, and, and the question that's raised in the Gemara is why is Tubishvat or why is the month of Shvat um, dedicated to this? And uh, the Gemara says on, in Rosh Hashanah, Dafyud Dalid, that most of the rain already passed. So it's sort of towards the end of the winter. The, being the winter, it's sort of easier to demarcate between years for fruits because really not much grows over the winter. Right. Uh, Rashi there, uh, adds that there's the sap, the srat of the tree, srat ha'ilanot, uh, sort of rises in the tree. I didn't really get to look up uh, whether in botany they, they have a, a time of the year that that really happens. I didn't really get to look that up, but I'm curious about that, if anyone knows. Um, and uh, Annie says that the fruits start to to bud. Exactly what starts to bud is also a debate, but, but the word chanita or chanata uh, applies to that time, it seems like the fruits kind of start to bud. And we, of course, know that the earliest fruits are the shkediyah, the shkedim, the almonds, which is, of course, reminiscent of the beginning of Sefer Yirmiyahu. One of his, his really first nivuah, his first prophecy, has to do with a, a, an almond branch where God says, I'm hurrying, I'm rushing to bring Bavel on, on the Jews because they deserve it. And he uses the word shaked, and therefore his nivuah was looking at this early blossom of, of the almond tree. That, that, we all know, is the origin of Tu Bishvat. But later, in the time of really the Gaonim, Rav Nisim Gaon is recorded. He's a very late Gaon. He's, he used to uh, write to Rav Hai Gaon, one of, the, one of the most famous Gaonim, because we have so much literature from his to vote from his response of Rav Haigon. He used to write to Rav Haigon, Rav Nisengon. We have Rav Nisengon on the Gemara a lot of times. And he talks about a new idea that Tu Bishvat should also be a time 
for uh, not saying Tachanun, which we know we don't say Tachanun today, and for not fasting. If you have a fast that was supposed to be on this day, you have to push it off because you're not allowed to fast on this day. And actually, in the Cairo Geniza, when they found the Cairo Geniza, they found uh, different uh, different calendars that had Chu Bishvat as a day that we don't uh, say Tachanun, which might even predate this uh, this. Uh, a writing of Ramisengon and and the Maharami Rutenberg's very famous response about this as well. Maharami Rutenberg is really one of the earliest sources of our minagim minagim Ashkenaz. And it's brought down in Shulchan Aruch. You're not allowed to fast. Tough kuf ayin bet in Shulchan Aruch siv gimel and kuf lamed aleph about not saying tachanun um, siv vav. And the Magen Avram actually quotes. Uh, we'll get to that actually. Um, th- that's. Issue number two. Issue number one is the idea of the tithing, separating it. Issue number two is not saying tachanun. It kind of becomes sort of like a holiday. You're not allowed to say the the uh, prayer that we say on days that are not holidays, and you're not allowed to fast. Right. And then in the 1500s, Rav Binyamin Alevi Ashkenazi from Greece, from Salonika, actually wrote a book of customs, and he writes in there in the mid-1500s, um, that there's a custom to eat fruits. This is around the time of uh, uh, of the Ari, and about 20 years later, the more famous book, Rabbi Sachar Evan Susan, who was a Sfaradi, um, he wrote a book called Tikkun Yisachar, and Tikkun Yisachar says that uh, we're, 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 there was a custom among Ashkenazim, he says, to, um, to, to eat fruits on this day of... of and the Magen Avraham in Shulchan Aruch, Siman Kuf Lamaral, Sifkatan Tadzayin, actually quotes this book, Tikkun Yisachar. And th- th- this is the beginning or the early idea of eating uh, fruits. That's issue number three. So we have the date regarding the tithes. We have the idea that it, it's kind of a happy day. We don't, we don't fast. And eating fruits in the mid-1500s. In about um, maybe a hundred years later, um, and certainly about 160 years later, it's actually in writing about this a concept of the Seder Tubishvat. It's not clear that the Seder Tubishvat has its sources in the Ari, um, which was you know the early Kabbalist in the in the mid 1500s in Tzfat, but uh, Ramosha Chagiz, who wrote a book of of Minagim of, of, about Tubishvat. Um, and later, a book called Priyat Hadar, not so much later, around the uh, claim, they claim that Rav Chaim Vital quotes the Ari, that there should be a Seder Tubish, but it's not really clear whether we can whether we can really attribute that to the Ari. Either way, either, either, either way, Rabbi Kramer, um, it would seem that the Seder Tubishvat comes way after the establishment of Tubishvat as a special day. I mean, way, I didn't realize how, how far. Definitely, yes. Hundreds of years. Yeah, hundreds of years, hundreds for sure. Of years later. We're talking about the, the, the beginning of the idea of not fasting right. is already pre-Rishonim, and the idea of eating fruits is already very late Rishonim, maybe early Achronim, as we call it, right. the mid-1500s, after the Middle Ages, really. <clears throat> and then... The final stage, which we know as kids growing up, is the idea of planting trees right. in Israel. Right. And this, you would think, starts with Karen Kayamet Israel, right. with the famous organization, and it doesn't. It actually starts in the 1880s. Some citizens of a Moshava, a small little town in Israel called Yesod Ma'ala, in the Upper Galilee, 
um, planted some 1,500 fruit trees on Tubishvat in 1884. They had etrog trees, they had etrog trees, I should say, they had pomegranate trees, and, and later they also planted olive trees and fig trees and berries all around Tish, uh, Tubishvat. I keep saying Tishabab, Tubishvat. Um, <laughs> and then uh, about, about six years later, in the 1890s, a very famous person who we're going to talk about in the second part, which I hope we get to, uh, a man named Zev Yavitz took his students out to plant trees as well in Zichon Yaakov on Tubishvat. And he wrote of they wrote about this in the papers and became much more famous. About uh, 17 years later, some 300 students in a school, <clears throat> an agricultural school called Mikveh Yisrael in near Yafo went out to plant uh, trees, and then it, the, the floodgates opened up, and we have a recording in 1919 where Karen Kayamit Israel, this organization that was formed to establish trees in Israel, um, took 3,000 students out on Tubishvat to plant trees. And once the Karen Kayamit Israel got into it, it became an international way of collecting money to plant trees. Yeah. Now, the flourishing of trees. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, and for a noble purpose. I mean, we're talking about you know build, build, building, building, and uh, and preserving, and in many ways showing our uh, love for the land of Israel. Exactly, and uh, a lot of people don't know the famous green line that they talk about in terms of the Yehudavish Shomron. Right. That area is called across the green line. Is actually called the green line because the sta- the state of Israel at the time, which did not have Yehudavish Shomron, was so green. And outside of that quote-unquote state of Israel before 67, it was not green. And that became the green line because of that, because of Karen Kamen Green Israel. Wow. But we have to remember the Gemaran Sanhedrin, which Mayer quoted so many times. Rav Abba said, There's no greater sign of Mashiach coming than Va'atem, it's a quote, the Pasuk in Chazkel, Lamed Vav, Pasuk Chet, your branches will give off fruit. The time is coming. Yeah. Oh, it's certainly is. And we have to remember what everyone always quotes, very famous now, Mark Twain in his Innocent Abroad when he went through Palestine at the time in the late 1800s. He wrote a book about it. And he wrote, the further we went, the hotter the sun got. The more rocky, bare, repulsive, and dreary landscape uh, became. There was hardly a tree or a shrub anywhere, he says. The olive trees, the cactus, just are almost, almost deserted. He says, just uh, 10, 15 years before that first Moshava, Yisod Ma'ala, started planting trees um, on Tubishvat. He was there. That's, that's the first issue I wanted to discuss. I don't know if we have much time for the second issue. Oh, we're going to get to the second issue in a moment, right? Benji Kramer is with us live via telephone, a Tubishvat morning here at JM in the AM. How lucky are the students at Yeshiva Flatbush to have a Balmaz beard, to have someone who explains things as clearly and as wonderfully as Rabbi Kramer to listen to on a daily basis? A couple of things, by the way, because, you know, I love to nitpick Rabbi Kramer couple of things. Uh, we're going to add the Green Line explanation to our list of explanations that we've had over the years, including including how literally when they were dividing up the uh, land, uh, dividing up things for, at the uh, United Nations, 
um, that they used a green pen <laughs> to to mark. Yes. So we're going to add yours, which I love, by the way, uh, to the list of reasons for the green line, so to speak. Also, someone reported to me yesterday they were in a minion that didn't say Tachonon yesterday morning. And I'm like, what? I get you're not supposed to say no. Tachonon the night before or the I should say Mincha before. Mm-hmm. But the chakras, I, I never saw. So I don't know. Everybody, check check out what your custom is in your shul. Because they, they, they literally said to this person that it's the custom in the shul. And I never had seen that before. Uh, so I wanted to point that out as well. And Rabbi Kramer, one other thing. We've, we've often, over the years, because of the proximity, have spoken about Shabbat Shira. Very often, Tu B'Shvat is right before Shabbat Shira. I think, I think I'm right about that. And, of course, very often, like this year, yeah. it follows Shabbat Shira, and, we, and we've tied in both uh, over the years. And I, I'm curious about something, and I know I'm putting you on the spot, and I'm not expecting an answer. I just find it so curious. The minhag, the custom on Shabbat morning, and those who are in shul early enough know this, is to recite Az Yashir pasuk by pasuk, uh, sentence by sentence. And I believe that that is the minhag on Shabbat Shira. And I think some people even do a Tzvi Shal Pesach as well, although I'm not sure about that. Do you know that in our regular Luach, the one that 90% of people, I don't know what happens in the Sephardic community, but certainly in the Ashkenazi community, that 90% of people in synagogues rely on, do you know that in neither place, Shabbat or Pesach, is that custom mentioned? And I found that to be interesting because they'll, they'll write anything that you know is a little bit different on a specific day or Shabbat uh, in the Luach. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you have a... You know any uh, I, any insight into that? But don't you find that interesting that it's that as much as many people try to do it, and I saw it this past Shabbat again. Uh, you know the the uh, the Baal Shachar is doing it. Isn't it funny? I don't think it's published anywhere. Interesting. So I don't know <clears throat> whether there is actually a written source. I can't think offhand of a written source for such a custom. It's kind of it may be kind of like the Kaela uh, custom. <laughs> where, where <the> t- <laughs> Boy, that would be interesting. Someone just thought it was a good idea. Yeah, that would be interesting if it's as drastic as that. But, but, but in, in all seriousness, once a minhag, once a custom, a minig is implemented in a shul, it's supposed to continue. So obviously I'm not at all criticizing those synagogues that do it. I just find it interesting. I don't see it published anywhere. I actually told my son yesterday I have to look in Tom Am and hug him and see if it's uh, written there uh, in, in regard to uh, Shabbos Parshas B'Shalach. Right, Benji Kramer is with us. It's 2 Bishvat morning. Now, you said you have a second part to discuss with us this morning. I do. I have to go uh, pray soon. I lead a minyan <laughs> here. But let's let's go through this quickly. What what What, um, what is that officially, 7.30? 7.30, yeah. All right. we'll, 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 I'll, I'll do it. So uh, um, on Hanukkah, I think it was the second night of Hanukkah, second day of Hanukkah was the 100th yard site of Eliezer ben Yehuda. Who was Eliezer ben Yehuda? <clears throat> Eliezer ben Yehuda was a, a Jewish boy who actually went to Cheder when he was in Europe. And uh, w- one of his uh, teachers in Cheder was a maskil, was part of the Enlightenment movement. And uh, he shared with them books on Hebrew grammar, which was not very customary in those days. And it sort of, uh, it sort of enlightened with him, within him the love of Hebrew. Later, he started publishing in a journal called Chavatzelet, later Mevaseret Sion, another uh, magazine that he started himself, Hatzvi. And he wanted to, the, the, that the Zionist movement would not just be a push to move to Israel, which, of course, he was in favor, and he did move to Israel. 
uh, but he wanted there to be a united language as well. And he started a Chevrat Tchiat Israel, a uh, organization of the ju- rejuvenation of Israel, in which they didn't only push moving to Israel, but also speaking Hebrew. And he put together a Vad Halashon, a language committee, so to speak, in the 1890s. And there were many people who helped him. One of them was actually Zev Yavitz, the same person who planted trees in the 1890s, was part of his Vad Halashon, another person um, who was uh, very, uh, very, very active, was a person named Yechiel Michal, I'm going to call him Pines, I don't want to pronounce his name the way they usually do. Um, and they, they basically spread around, the, around Israel the idea that we have to stop speaking Yiddish, stop, stop speaking Ladino, and let's get into speaking Hebrew. Right. And they, they train teachers, especially in kindergarten, Gan Yiladim, kids who basically embarrass their parents into speaking Hebrew. Later, Ben-Gurion jumped into it and told people he wanted people to stop speaking Yiddish and start speaking Ladino, and he had a, a large impact as well. And eventually, this Vad HaLashon turned into what's today called, and Mayor and I used to laugh about this, the Academia LaLashon Ivrit. They called it, instead of the Michalala LaLashon Ivrit, they used an English word, I, Academia. I remember my orally of blessed memory discussing that with us on the air. Amazing. Yes. I want to just discuss two more things about him. He published the first Hebrew-English, I'm sorry, Hebrew-English, Hebrew-Hebrew dictionary, which he only published five volumes in his lifetime. Eventually, it became a 17-volume dictionary. He also published pocket dictionaries, but he worked very, very hard on creating words so that it could become a spoken language. It's not easy to become a spoken language. Just to throw out... Some of the world's words that we use, there were many use the invented words that he invented that we don't use. But some of the words that we use that he invented, the word milon, first of all, for dictionary, he invented. The word booba for dal, galida for ice cream, zehut for identity too, dot zehut, the passport identity papers, chavita, we all know from the hotels, the omelet, chaydak for bacteria, and the word rishmi, the word for official is a word he invented. Wow. Now, I just want to end with one more little thing, is that, and my brother mentioned this to me uh, yesterday, is that the uh, the tomato was a new world fruit. Like, we would think it's, uh, it's, a, it's a fruit vegetable, whatever you want to call it. Right. And we would think it's from, like, Italy. It's from the new world. It's from the Americas. Right. And therefore, there was no word for it. And and so, Rabbi Yechiel Michal Pines, I'm going to call him, um, uh, it uh, created the word agvania right. because the word ayin gimel vet is uh, has to do with love and the and the the word in Europe was lifespeful, which meant a an apple of love, and therefore he wanted to have the word love in it. Rav Cook was a little against that because it had a sexual connotation. Rav Cook wanted to be admonia. But we, but but uh, this guy Yechiel Michal Pines uh, won, and we now call the tomato an agvania. Just amazing how the state of Israel. Imagine the state of Israel without everyone talking Hebrew. And this man really, he was really in many ways Mishugal Davar. He was a crazy man in many ways. You can read about him. He was really crazy. But sometimes it takes a crazy man to change the world, and he literally changed the world for the state of Israel. Um, not single-handedly, but he really had a tremendous influence. It's funny, I've I've said this before on the air, my grandfather who spent the bulk of his early years in Palestine, 
when he came to New Jersey for the first time, was told, oh, you're going to taste these tomatoes, the most delicious thing ever. I mean, what, what was better than a Jersey tomato? He tasted it once, and he, and he, he, he cringed. You know, he, he, gave, he gave that sour face and never had one again. So, <laughs> so, so yes, I guess, uh, I guess there, was not, there were none in the Middle East at that point, uh, as you described it as a, as a new world fruit or vegetable, depending on how you want to classify the tomato. Rabbi Kramer, brilliant, phenomenal. Thank you so much for adding so much to our Tubishvat morning you. here at JM and the AM. Enjoy the Buxer. And I hope I hope that um, everybody out there understands that there are certain days where we're connected further with the state of Israel. Today is one of those days. And speaking of which, you pointed out, give me 30 more seconds. I know you have to run, but you pointed out to me sure. off the air. And it's funny, my niece from Petah Tikva just told me that she she felt a couple of earthquakes overnight. Uh, we know that there's earthquakes happening from Turkey to Syria. And you pointed out overnight how amazing we're at the stage where Syria is now appealing to Israel for humanitarian aid for what they're suffering from at the most recent earthquake and uh, and uh, your your further comment about that on this tuba shvat yes it's amazing what world that we live in today unbelievable you wonder about the role that we and of course i mean our brothers and sisters in israel are playing when it comes to uh in fact being uh, you know being those who are there for others no matter what their background no matter where they're from they could be from a country that's known as an enemy of israel nonetheless uh, we uh, we are proud that our brothers and sisters step it up and not only respond in time of crises around the world, but are actually solicited by enemy countries or those who have not been very friendly to Israel because their generosity and their uh, incredible um, uh, altruism skill. and their skill. their skill and altruism. But it's all, I I believe the chesed component is so vital because they know they're going to they know they're going to get a positive response from those in Israel yeah. who are able to help. Chag uh, Sameach, Rabbi Kramer, and thank you. Chag Sameach. One and only Rabbi Benji Kramer. Wow. Was that great? Was that great? What a way to start a week, huh? Or to start a work week, I should say. I'm not forgetting that Matis did a brilliant job starting the week. And Avrami on Saturday night. But uh, what a way to start a work week. Uh, speaking of Avrami, thank you, Avrami. He's the one responsible for for um, um, for making sure we had the archives of some of Mayor Weingarten's comments, including some from seven years ago uh, that Mayor shared with us on Tuba Shop Morning. And more of it is coming up. And a big thank you to Avrami for spending the time creating those uh, incredible segments uh, from our archives. Much appreciated. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechonishmas Harav Zevbenavis of Alevi, and Zechonishmas Esther Basavis of Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Today is Tu B'Shvat. The Tvil of Tachnun is recited daily after the Shemona Esrei of Shachris and also Mincha. It is a Tvila that highlights our contriteness. We beg Hashem for forgiveness and plead for our needs. It makes reference to divine judgment and retribution for sin. We ask Hashem for mercy and compassion. Because of this, we do not recite this tefillah on Shabbos and Yom Tov. We don't want to introduce any type of sadness to the happiness of those days. It's also omitted on the other minor holidays, including Tu B'Shvat. The age of the tree is chronicled by the date of Tu B'Shvat. It impacts on the laws regarding produce, 
For example, the Torah prohibits partaking of fruit during its first three years of growth on a tree. It's called Orla. We also know that the tithing of one's produce for the year, Trumos and Maestros, is calculated from Tubishvat. On this day, the trees are judged. It's not a holiday that is mentioned in the Torah. All the acts of labor prohibited on Yom Tov are permissible today. And our tefillahs are basically that of the regular weekday. The only difference is that we don't say tachnun. It would seem that a day of judgment is not a day of simcha happiness. Maybe we should say tachnun, for the trees need Hashem's mercy at this time. The Me'en Amoid explains, by drawing an analogy to the judgment day of human beings on Rosh Hashanah. We stand in awe of the Yom Adin. We anticipate its arrival for the entire month. During the days of Elul, the shofar is sounded. We are inspired to do tshuva. It is a time of introspection and repentance. We say slichus, prayers for forgiveness and mercy. We also know that the enjoyment, partaking of food and drink on the day of Tu gives it a festive nature. It is a day of great simcha. How do we understand this? There is a parable. A father and a son began to journey in a city. The father warns the child that they're going to have to go eventually through a dense forest. He says, my child, don't veer from the path. There is a tremendous forest. It's dangerous. There are animals that lurk in the darkness. Many people have wandered off course and lost their life. The son remained faithfully by his father's side. But then he was lured by some of the fruit, beautiful fruits hanging on the trees nearby. He ran from tree to tree. He pulled off the fruit. He found himself soon alone, totally surrounded by the trees. Although he tried to return to the path, he had no sense of direction and even became more disoriented. The sun was beginning to set and all of a sudden, He began to hear what he thought was the growling of animals, and it seemed to become closer. He cried out, Father, Father. He began to run, tripping over branches, falling, and then pulling himself up and running again. He was terrified. He contemplated surviving in the forest without food or water, or chas v'sholem, being devoured by a wild animal. Suddenly, he felt himself lifted with an iron grip. His father's voice, I warned you not to veer from the path. His father was indeed angry, and he reprimanded the child. However, the child began to cry. The reason he cried, it was tears of joy. He was overjoyed that his father had rescued him. His father was there to shield and protect him. We know that the darkness and the night refer to this world. The beasts of the forest are those that are evil who try and prey on Klal Yisrael. What Tu B'Shvat reminds us is that Hashem demonstrates His presence. He guards us and protects us. He leads us in this world. Although there are days which are somewhat dark, days which are scary, Hashem promises us that we will be redeemed with the salvation. Tu B'Shvat is a hint Tu B'Shvat is a chizuk for all of us to feel Hashem's presence and give thanks and gratitude 
for all that we have. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a wonderful day and a freilich and tubishvat. Ashkedia Porachat, Vishemesh Paz Zorachat. Oh, Tubishvat 5783 here at JM and this portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at AH. Tomorrow, in fact, we're going to have a chance to speak with Seth Levitt. Uh, talk about Super Bowl Sunday and how it's impossible to have a great Super Bowl party without A&H products. Enjoy 10% discount on all Abels and Hyman products at kosherdogs.net with promo code radio. A&H has been serving the kosher world since 1954, and A&H products are available at better kosher supermarkets nationwide. Try A&H today. You'll be glad you did. It is 2 Bishvat morning here at JM in the AM. And um, Rabbi David Hertzberg is going to join us coming up. We're introducing a new show to the Nachum Segal Network that will air tomorrow at 9 a.m. We'll explain all of that happening here at JM and the AM. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nachum Segal Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Uh, let's see here. Uh, well, the Kaela joke, someone asked us to explain the Kaela joke. There's a custom, which, of course, is, is not really a custom, uh, that on Pesach, when we read um, the uh, when we read the the portion of the Torah that includes the word Kaela, which is which is sung as Kaela, so the custom is that everybody in the shul has to sing along with that word, uh, and of course, it's not a real custom. It's just you know <laughs> it's developed into a thing, and of course, there are a lot of great memes and a lot of great uh, jokes about it on the internet. Anyway, that was the reference. I think the the Shabbos Shira. Az Yashir, Pasuk by Pasuk. Az Yashir, sentence by sentence, is a little bit more serious, to say the least. Um, Edie says, wow, Rabbi Kramer, what a fantastic Tubishvat presentation. That's an understatement. Thank you, Avrami, for all of Mayor Weingarten's past Tubishvat presentations. I learned so much. Well, speaking of Mayor Weingarten, this is Mayor on the topic of uh, planting for the future. Uh, planting for the future. Our amazing and incredible friend, Mayor Weingarten of blessed memory. Here he is from a previous Tubishvat show at JM in the AM. Mayor Weingarten, what else can we tell yes, everybody? Yes, we have a brand new song. Oh. Brand new. Just released. In honor of Tubishvat by Yochai Ben Avi, who's an up-and-coming uh, young singer in Israel. We've played uh, some of his songs on the Israel show. He's got some good stuff. And he released a show called, a show, a song called Cheshek Nitiat Ilanot. The the uh, the urge, ah, the cheshek, right. of planting trees. And the words are uh, based on words from Rav Kook. Ooh. And the refrain is, cheshek netiat ilanot, what brings someone to want to plant a tree, novea mechefetz hatavat hadorot habaim. 
what, where it comes from. It comes from a wellspring that we have inside of us where we want to do good for the coming generations. And that goes back to the Choni Amagel story, right? That Choni yeah. Amagel sees the man planting a, a, a bookser tree and uh, says to him, how long is this tree going to take until it has fruit? And he says, 70 years. It's, what, what? You think you're going to live another 70 years to see the fruit? And he said, no. When I was born, there were bookser trees. There were Haruvim trees in the world. So just like my parents and grandparents planted them for me, I'm planting for the future generations. And the Gemara there also talks about, on a Pasuk, Shir HaMalot, B'Shuv Hashem et Shivat Zion Hainu Kecholmim. Right? So, so on a med- medrash of that, it's not the Pshat, but homiletically, for 70 years we were in Galut. And we came back, Shivat Zion is after 70 years. Right. So Choni Magal asked himself, so we could be asleep for 70 years, metaphorically meaning we can live our life without really doing anything, just being asleep? And so that answered his question. No, if we do things during our life, our short life, for the next generations, then we are not asleep. Then, then our life is not like a, just a fleeting dream. Our life has value and meaning because we are doing things for the next generation. We are having children and we are educating and bringing up our children and leaving for them hopefully a better world for them to continue in and giving them everything they need. So... Cheshek Nitiati Lanot, Novea, comes from Chefetz Hatavat Hadorota Baim, from a person wanting always to do good for the next generations. Here we go, Tubishvat special at JM in the AM. Thank you. 
J.M. in the A.M. and the Shalom. Before that, our very own Mayor Weingarten of Blessed Memory on the topic of planting for the future on a Tubishvat morning here at J.M. in the A.M. Rabbi David Hertzberg is going to join us. We're introducing a brand new program which begins tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. We'll discuss that coming up here at J.M. in the A.M. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Kosher Halftime Show is Sunday, brought to you by the Rothenberg Law Firm. InjuryLawyer.com. We will be joined by a representative of the Rothenberg family on Thursday here at JM in the AM. With a big thank you to the Rothenberg Law Firm and to all of our sponsors of the Kosher Halftime Show, which will drop at uh, halftime this coming Sunday of the big game. Uh, as many of you know, it's my exclusive interview with Yerachmiel Begun in light of the uh, Miami Boys Choir social media sensation of the last few months. We'll talk about that Sunday here. At uh, well, we'll talk about it during the Kosher halftime show. Brought to you by the Nahum Siegel Network again, presented by our friends at the Rothenberg Law Firm. Uh, J. A. Mora says, "How beautiful to hear Mayor's words. A message of Tubishvat. Think of celebrating Hashem's Peros and Peros accomplishments of a person. So many beautiful psukim we have built. We have, but the one for this holiday is one of my favorites. Ki Adam Thank you for Mayor's words, which continue to to." to flower. Um, 
Rabbi Cash says, what a wonderful special today. Rabbi Kramer was fantastic. Agreed. Mayor continues to be an inspiration. He lives on with his words of Torah and contagious optimism. Hashem works in mysterious ways and always has a plan. As I'm in traffic during, as I'm tra- I'm in traffic driving up North Miami Beach to Boca, please give a shout out to our carpool. We're enjoying the Tubishvat special. Thank you as always for wonderful programming. I thank God for allowing me to enjoy your special because taking a because it's taking a bit of time, a long time, to get to school this morning. Well, Rabbi Cash, hello to everybody in the carpool, and thanks so much for joining us here at JM in the AM. So um, we go back to segments by uh, Mayor Weingarten, and uh, this one is on the topic of Shibolets. Here he is on a Tubishvat special 5783 at JM in the AM. Totally. Mayor Weingarten with his analysis of the Hebrew language. Uh, how it's, many it's of the Israel... shed light on... What percentage of the Israel shows have Mayor Milim? Hmm. The majority or not? No. Half? A third, maybe? A third, okay. Yeah. So they, you can they, catch it on Mondays. They take a lot of time. To I can only it. imagine. So uh, we, I actually hinted to this. Not hinted. I gave a preview a few weeks ago when I was filling in. I think when you were in Paris... No. I gave a preview of this one, and, and it's not fully fleshed out, but I guess if you want, we can do it now. Sure. So, um, Nahum, you remember, not that long ago, just a few weeks ago, we read about the famous dreams of Paro. Oh, yes. So Someone told me they found the uh, bones of the uh, of the cows, by the way, <laughs> to prove that the dreams actually did happen. Uh-huh. Yeah, they found them in uh, okay. They found them in, uh, in Egypt. They found the uh, yeah. bones. Yeah, Is they that found, where they found They found them? thin bones. They found the in, thick bones. In denial. Yeah, it's right near the Nile. Yeah, they're in the, no, that, no, they're so, in denial. Right to for, to prove to you that in yeah. fact. Uh, so the first dream, <laughs> yeah, there were seven cat, fat cows, seven skinny cows, right. right? Then he goes back to sleep, right? And the second dream, sheva shibolim olot right. There are seven healthy bundles, ears of grain. No, it's an ear of grain. Mm. One oh, that's ear of grain with seven. Yeah, with seven. Um, ears on it. Interesting. Okay, and they call olot bekane echad. They're growing on one stalk. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, so that's what we always understand shibolim as. Correct. Yep. Shibolet. Shibolet basadeh. We have it in root. Vatomer root hamovial nomi elchana hasadeh vaalakta bashibolim alakta leket. Right. I'll collect, collect leket bashibolim from the grain. Okay, simple enough. Shibolet is an ear of, uh, of grain, right? Now we have a very, very interesting story. And that story is in Sefer Shoftim. And it, it, it is very well known because there's an episode of the West Wing. Shibolet, right. That can, oh, good for I mean, I remember the name, right? Yeah, yeah but that's, what a, was it about? that's an amazing Bacchus. I don't remember what it was about. It's about some Chinese dissidents, right. uh, Christian Chinese that, right. that ran away from China and the president wanted to test whether they're really uh, um, refugees, right. religious refugees or not. So this story— Speaking about kids who have no idea what we're talking about, that series is probably 20 yeah. years ago. Well, you can see it on Netflix. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> now you can see it in Israel. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, yeah. so there's a war going on between Jews, by the way, between two, two groups of Jews, and um, the— the um, Gilad and Ephraim. And the people of Ephraim had only one way to escape. They had only one escape route to get out of the clutches of those of Gilad, who wanted to kill them, by the way. We talk about Jewish unity. They were killing each other, one tribe to the other. Um, so we're in much better shape. 
So it says, Vayilkot Gilad et Ma'abrot Hayardain Ephraim. The Gilads, the Gilites, held the, the, the passage points of the Jordan River against the Ephraims. Ephraim Evora, when somebody from Ephraim said, I want to pass. So they had to vet him. You know, like we want to vet the uh, candidates. The can- no, we want to vet the Syrian refugees right. to see if they're real Important. or not. Right. right? Well, we want to vet the candidates to see if they're real. Yeah, also. We, yeah that's right. That's, uh, I don't know which is more harmful. Um, <laughs> yeah. So how did they vet them? So they said, just like the um, INS does, they said, are you a terrorist? No, I'm not. Ter- okay, you can go through. So, so, so that people from Gilad said, Ha'afratiyata. Vayomerlo, of course he said, no, I'm not. Vayomerlo emorna shibolet. Say this word, shibolet. And say you pronounce it. And if he said, sibolet, right. they were not able to pronounce it correctly. Right. They seized him and they shechted him. On the, on the waters of the Jordan River. On where the crossing point is. How many people died? How many people were killed? 42,000. Okay. So now you say to yourself, why, of all the words that they could have... Aw. Why, why, why that one? Why that one? You said... Right. But old joke about what the last words of the people of Ephraim before they were slaughtered was. Smai Israel. Very good. <laughs> so... Um, so the answer is that the word shibolet actually has a second meaning in Tanakh. It means the flow of a river. And it's a meaning that usually we don't know. It's not used that often. But that's what it is. That's the word shibolet. And we find it in other places in Tanakh, in, uh, in Tehillim and in other places, that the word shibolet is used um, for the flow of a river. And as, by the way, as a result of that, if you imagine a river flowing, creating like a path, right. that's a shvil. A shvil, a path, Shibola. is from shibolet, right? And in fact, all the mafarshim on, on the spot, like Rashi and others say, shibolet hanahar hazeevo. They said, emar not shibolet, I want to pass over this river flow. That's why. Meaning, what do you, where do you want to go? Oh, I want to go. Not necessarily that they said, say the word, Shibolet. Right. They, they said, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? Oh, I want to go past the Shibolet. Oh. So th- by understanding that this word has a, sec- a second meaning, a double meaning, we, we now understand why the relevance of that particular word to that spot, because they were, that was ha- their escape was to go over the River Jordan and the flow of the river is called Shibolet, and that's how they were able to caught, catch them. And that has nothing to do with the ear of grain. It's a, it's a, right. It just sounds the same as a word, but is, but is different. And um, in modern Hebrew, you have the word Shoval. So when a bride has a very long dress with a train that goes at the end that flows like behind there, that's called a Shoval. And a the stamps in Israel, you know, have a tab. When you, if you collect Israeli stamps, you know that they're not just a stamp. When they come out, they come out with a stamp, and then there's a little addition on the bottom. That's also called a shoval because it's like trails at the end, just like the train of the dress, which is a flow. So this is a shoval in the sense that it, it just kept the meaning kept moving along. So the train is a flow. 
behind the kalasa, the thing that's sort of behind the stamp or at the bottom of the stamp becomes a shoval. Very nice. Kalakavod. Okay. Unbelievable to hear Mayor Weingarten from prior Tubishvat specials continue to enlighten us. And boy, our audience is appreciating it. I can tell from the app comments and from some of the emails we're getting. Kalakavod. And thanks to Avrami. He's uh, the one who curated the uh, segments from past Tubishvat specials so we can present them this morning here at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com on the NachumSingle Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Well, we've been announcing and we've been celebrating the fact that on Tuesday at 9 a.m., tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern time, right after JM and the AM, we are introducing a brand-new program, Israel at 75. And the program is going to be a series of of presentations, radio lectures, if you will, by Rabbi Dr. David Hertzberg. Rabbi Dr. David Hertzberg is principal of the Yeshiva Flatbush Middle Division. He's also adjunct assistant professor of history at Turo College. And a little while ago, Rabbi Hertzberg and I met, and it became obvious to me, after we spoke for a little while, that his incredible presentations, especially about modern Jewish history, and especially about the development and the uh, current state of Israel are so valuable that we should be airing them on our program. Now, as many of you know, Israel is celebrating its 75th anniversary coming up in April on the 5th of ER. And um, Tu Bishvat is a day that for generations, as you heard earlier from Rabbi Kramer, for generations and really for for, for for either close to or over a thousand years, Jews in the diaspora would use the opportunity of Tubishvat to connect spiritually and in some ways physically uh, to the Holy Land. So I feel it's extremely appropriate that we are introducing a brand new program that is dedicated to Israel's 75th anniversary on Tubishvat. And it'll air for the first time tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern time here at JMNAM. And of course, it'll be available in the archive section of the Nachum Siegel Network. Hopefully, forever and ever after that. Rabbi David Hertzberg, happy to Bishvat and welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you so much, Nachum. Pleasure to be here. Um, I'll ask you about the Yeshiva of Flatbush and how Jewish youth on this side of the world are celebrating Tu Bishvat. We'll do that a little later on. But first, I want to ask you about your impressions, about your reaction when I say that a day like today gives everybody, especially those outside of Israel, an opportunity to connect to the Holy Land. What are your feelings when you wake up on a Tu B'Shvat morning? I think that, you know, these opportunities in a day like this to celebrate and to learn about develops that further connection between the uh, students, our, our youth, and uh, the modern state of Israel and the traditional Eretz Israel and the Kedushat of Eretz Israel. It's a connection that's extremely important that Israel, you know, it's a beautiful place to visit, but we have to take the students to the next level and really understand what Eretz Israel is all about and what better way to do that than learning about the mitzvot and the fruit that of, of Eretz Israel to really, really drive home that connection. No question about it. It's one of the reasons we've been doing this special for so many years, and I appreciate you reiterating how important it is for both youth and adults. Um, Rabbi Hertzberg, Israel's about to turn 75 years old, and there are many of us who were not around when the state of Israel was founded and do not remember a world when there was no state of Israel. 
It is vital that the current generation and really every generation that's around now uh, continue to appreciate and, God forbid, not take for granted the fact that we have a state of Israel. I am confident that your series, Israel at 75, which will examine the history of the last 100 years, let's say, I am confident that that will instill in all of us uh, the fact that we really need to appreciate on a daily basis what it is to have the state of Israel. Do you have uh, the same type of intention with this series of Israel at 75? Do you feel that this can connect people to a world where we did not have the state of Israel like we have today? I think you really captured the, the, the why of the program. You know, our youth today, students today, grew up within Israel. And I think it's really important uh, that people understand uh, one of my favorite terms from Israel, merely from Hebrew, it's that it's not muvan me'elav. We shouldn't take it for granted. You know, people, we fly to the, you know, we land at Ben-Gurion Airport, we take our cabs to Yerushalayim, we stay in our hotels. Everything seems ready for us, but it wasn't. And part of this program is for us to understand and to learn that it was not a given fact. It was, it was not a given. A lot of people had to fight hard, die, bleed, argue, pray, daven to make this happen. And I think if we're able to accomplish that on some level, that would be really the uh, sense of uh, sense of accomplishment, the sense of mission accomplishment for this program. And it's also, um, it's obvious to me after speaking to you that there are a lot of episodes, a lot of different nuances, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, things that occurred um, that many of us who are familiar with the founding of the state and its first 75 years uh, are not aware of. There are a lot of really important things that occurred, personalities that were involved, episodes that happened that we're just not familiar with. And I'm, I'm confident that you're going to bring a lot of those to our attention. Yeah. You know, sometimes when you study history, those are the most captivating and, and fun things. So for example, these little things which seem little but tell a big story. Like, for example, the Declaration. Why wasn't the singing of the Hatikva filmed on camera? Why did Ben-Gurion wear a tie and a suit to the Declaration, which was not a, again, it wasn't a given, it wasn't a given thing. So you have a lot of these little factoids throughout and, 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 and the myths that when we understand them, it really paints the, a more accurate and bigger picture of what went on and what was going on behind the scenes to make these types of things happen. We'll also meet some amazing leaders uh, because as much as we hope that the leadership we have today in Israel uh, are highly qualified and are leading us well, uh, one has to admit that there were people that uh, that you and I and all of us who've perused modern Jewish history have come across who made some really important decisions and uh, went ahead and implemented some really important things uh, that ended up uh, changing uh, the state of Israel and the Jewish people for the better. We will meet some people that uh, really had some positive influence in their leadership. Absolutely. And as you just said, the... The, the ability to make certain decisions in, under circumstances and conditions of uncertainty uh, was really something truly admirable. And these people who made these decisions were far from perfect people. They had their mistakes, but they were willing to swing the bat when necessary and take the, and take the chances. And that's something we're, gonna hope, we're going to hopefully learn about 
and see the good and the bad, yeah. and sometimes even the ugly of uh, what it took to make a state. Rabbi David Hertzberg is with us, and some of them, by the way, some of those leaders actually did what was beneficial for the future of the Jewish people uh, and set aside their uh, personal pursuits uh, in, order to, in order to do that, which is very unusual these days. Hard, hard for those growing up in this generation to believe that someone's willing to make decisions that are vital for the future of the Jewish people and give up personal gain. But I guess, I guess that's for another topic. One of the other things, or for another day, one of the other things that I um, appreciated from our off-air conversations is you have a great understanding of the military victories. In fact, on this Tubishvat morning, I wouldn't mind if you spent a, a minute or so uh, j- just describing how remarkable, we always talk about how remarkable the War of Independence was and the founding of the state. Obviously, the Six-Day War was as well, and many other encounters, obviously. But often, especially as we get older uh, as a people and we get further away from the War of Independence, we, we don't appreciate just how miraculous a military operation that was. And I, I, I wonder if you could just give us a word about that, about how 1947, 1948, that period of time so precarious ended up being so miraculous. Well, if you, one of the things I enjoy doing every time I, I visit, uh, visit Israel is I have my uh, Tanakh experts and military history experts. I go around doing Tiulim, seeing the actual places, locations of whether it be battles of the Tanakh or battles of the 1948 war and the Golan Heights, the Yom Kippur War. And when you see the geography and you see the lay of the land and then you, you take it all in and you realize, wow. This is truly, you know, Robin Biadna Atten, you know, really how only the Nisei Shaman that this could have occurred. And, and, and you see it right in front of you. I remember once being at the Latrun, the uh, tank museum that most people know, and the very significant battles in the 1948 war there, and standing on the top of the fortress, just taking in all the geography and really trying to understand what occurred, the importance of that location, and also the the miracles and the tragedies that that occurred at that place and there's no there's no substitute for that to really take it in and see the miracles that occurred at that point in that war and the and the other wars as well and we should point out if Eretz Israel if the land of Israel is in fact obtained through a difficulty we we have to mention as we just saw you know a few short days ago two Friday nights ago there is still tremendous pain that our brothers and sisters go through families that are affected tragically for forever uh, because of the enemy, and uh, as much as the comfort of the state of Israel is so inviting, as you describe, and it's so amazing, and we'll never stop recommending that people visit as often as possible, and obviously we'll never stop pushing Aliyah here, uh, but in addition to that, we have to remember that there's still tremendous sacrifice going on amongst our people. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, nonetheless, we are able to celebrate a day like today, and we're able to enjoy and uh, share with our children and grandchildren the incredible land and state of Israel. Rabbi David Hertzberg is with us. All right, Rabbi Hertzberg, it's not a uh, it's not a secret. It's, oh, and by the way, folks, before I move on to the Yeshiva Flatbush, again, tomorrow morning, 9 a.m., and subsequently every single Tuesday, 9 a.m., right after Jam in the AM, Rabbi David Hertzberg, uh, on the topic of Israel at 75, uh, what what is tomorrow's lecture? Tomorrow's presentation specifically? How would you title tomorrow's presentation for nine a.m. Tuesday morning? The Haganah becomes an army. Nice. The Haganah becomes an army. Already, I'm fascinated. <laughs> Tomorrow morning, nine a.m. right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. It is no secret, Rabbi Hertzberg, 
that the Yeshiva of Flatbush is known for the incredible way that it instills Zionism and love for Israel and the Hebrew language in its students. We think of Hebrew language in the quote-unquote Yeshiva League. You're one of the first institutions that people think of. Uh, we think of uh, Yom Ha'atzma'ut, Yom Yerushalayim, special days, and of course yours is the institution everyone thinks of because you have such a massive and incredible celebration each and every year, which is so remarkable and so wonderful, including appropriate filot for those days. I have to assume that today you will be uh, you will be um, um, uh, supervising uh, a school that is going to be spending some time focused on Eretz Israel, focused on the land of Israel, because today is Tu Bishvat. What is happening today at the Yeshiva of Flatbush? So for absolutely and for sure, and you know, all those things that we mentioned, the big Yom Ha'atzma'ut programs, and they keep getting bigger and better every year. And I have to also acknowledge our, our leader, Eliyaf Zatzal, yep. of the vision that he really implanted in the yeshiva for all these important programs. Yep. And we're very fortunate this year because not Tubishvat doesn't always fall out <laughs> during the beginning of second semester. Sometimes <laughs> it's during the winter break. Right. So we're really lucky this year that we actually have had a week of school before Tubishvat is being celebrated. So that's number one. <laughs> uh, number two is throughout the institution, the day is being acknowledged. I don't think there's going to be a student in school today who's going to go home and not be aware of the fact that today was to be shvat. I could speak more specifically what we're doing in the sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. So besides giving out the traditional uh, uh, food for Tisha B'Av, uh, for, sorry, for to be shvat that uh, we've been doing for so, but since we were growing up, we're also having today for our 6th, 7th, and 8th grade a visiting scholar from Israel who's going to be meeting with each grade to really give an overview of Jewish history, nice. uh, especially of the past 75 years and the importance of Israel and how we were able to get this, uh, the land. So we're tying this in not just into the fruit of Eretz Israel with the rabbi speaking about the halachan and giving out the fruit, but also we're using this as an educational opportunity to teach the kids about the history of the, getting to the modern state of Israel, what day more appropriate than to be shot to do that. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And I'm sure your teachers and your rabbis and your student leaders are ready uh, to have an incredible day of celebration there at the Yeshiva of Flatbush, which is so wonderful. Um, it, and we appreciate, because there are a lot of schools, by the way, to follow your lead. There are a lot of schools, as you mentioned, Rabbi Eliach, uh, who followed his lead and made sure to incorporate a lot of the things that we just mentioned, Hebrew language, love for Israel, etc., because they realized how important it was uh, once he made such an appropriate big deal about it. Uh, so Yeshiva Flatbush is a leader in this area, and it's great to see that in uh, 5783 they are continuing such an amazing tradition. Happy Tu Bishvat, everyone. JM and the AM, Rabbi David Hertzberg, is going to be um, is going to be presenting a uh, program entitled Israel at 75. It starts tomorrow and will air every Tuesday, please God, at 9 a.m. That's right. Once you put something on the schedule, you know what happens. It means that there's an obligation to make sure it's, uh, it's there every single week. It's one of the best things about old-fashioned radio schedules. Uh, we're, not just, uh, we're not just asking Rabbi Hertzberg to uh, provide a new program whenever, uh, whenever he's able to. He's made a commitment to make sure that every single week, especially building up to April and Israel's 75th anniversary, we have a new program that's going to be discussing and analyzing something important in modern Jewish history. As you just heard, Rabbi Hertzberg tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. will be discussing how the Haganah became an army. And uh, that is obviously one of the most important developments of 75 years ago. Uh, Rabbi Hertzberg, we're very excited here about all of this, and thank you so much. Likewise. 
Thank you so much for all your uh, cooperation and your enthusiasm. And happy to Bishvat to you. Good luck tomorrow at the new show. And the Kane Yearboo. We should continue to educate everybody on important topics right here. Oh, man, thank you so much for having me, Nachum. Rabbi David Hertzberg, we wish him and everybody at Yeshiva Flatbush a happy to Bishvat from JM in the AM.
Eat a new fruit on two bishvat. Eat a new fruit on two 
JM in the AM, to be shot on by Schlockrock here at JM in the AM. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here to share with everybody? We did the Kacholchim. We did the Hashkei Parachat. Kumitalech Ba'aretz from Baruch Levine. It's to be morning here at JM in the AM. Coming up at 9 o'clock, Mayor Milim with Rai Benji Kramer. After further review... With um, after further review with um, Yoni Pollock, with Yoni Pollock and uh, Seth Gordon at ten o'clock. By the way, the word is pana. Right, Benji Kramer at nine o'clock is going to is going to discuss pay nun hey pana. After further review, followed by great music, all happening here at JM and the AM. I am sure that after further review, we'll discuss. The latest Brooklyn Net developments, I have a feeling that they'll discuss it during that program. Um, so we've been playing, and I want to thank, uh, I want to thank uh, Avrami again. We've been playing some of the segments that Mayor Weingarten shared with us over the years. Um, Tubishvat segments. And uh, this one is about Moshe's staff, the actual staff, the stick that Moshe Rabbeinu used, the walking stick, if you will. Mayor Weingarten on the topic of Moshe's staff, the staff of Moses here at JM in the AM. What else would you like to share with us this morning, Mr. Mayor Weingarten? About our holy land. With Maidan yeah. from the Gush, 
points out something interesting. I, I, this is more homiletic, you know, more midrashic, if you will. A Hasidic of art, as they say. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I, I call every art Hasidic of art. <laughs> he points out that the mate that Moshe had, right, that God says to him at the snare, right, like the parting words of God at the snare, don't forget the mate, right, you know, the staff. Don't forget the staff. What was that? It was made out of wood. Which wood? We never Moshe's staff was made out of what kind of wood? Right. Isn't that an interesting question? I never even knew it was an issue. Interesting. Well, it's not. It's got to be made out of something. It doesn't have to be an issue, right. but, but it's got to be made out of something. Right. So later on, the Mate Aharon and Mate Moshe, Mate Aharon is put into the Aron when um, Korach is fighting with Moshe and Aaron and disputing their leadership. And Moshe says, you know, we're going to take the Mate and we're going to put it in the Aron and we'll see what happens. Right. And if it sprouts. It blossoms, right. And what did it blossom? What did it blossom? Shkedim? Yeah. It blossomed. Uh, Almonds. Shked- Almonds. So one would understand from that that it was a, a branch of an almond tree. Right. Okay. Now, this is where the homiletic comes in. The almond tree we know blossoms early. The first. It is the first. That's why we throw it at the chatan for the ufruf. Oh, I didn't know that. The three, one of the three things you throw at a chatan, according to our tradition, because... Our almond we, trees? We want, well, almonds. We, oh, want almonds. Him to, we want him to be fruitful, and it's the oh, first fruit. So Every nice. year, it's the first fruit. Okay, well, it's good they're not throwing trees. Um, <laughs> Some guys like to throw yeah, hard like, objects at the ufruf. Um, <laughs> and it, it, and the, the word, shaked, right? Anishoked, right. means I, I study fully, properly... With a lot of verve. So shaked is really the representation of something happened quickly. But he points out, and I tried to see if this is true, he points out that the Gemara says that the shaked, while it, it uh, blossoms quickly and first, it, it's gone. The fruit, the, the, the blossoms fall off and are finished right. blossoming in 21 days. Right. He quotes the... Medrash on that. I tried to look up if that's true or agriculturally. I could not find it. And he he says that it's so it's like fast to bring the fruit, but also fast to let the fruit go. Right. And throughout the desert, we find different things. And he, he goes through the whole thing. But I just specifically want to go that Moshe didn't take the time to talk to the rock he hit the rock right and with the staff right right and he says if you take 21 days after tubishvat you'll come to zayin Adah. Uh, the art side of osher <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> you, that's what i call a yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and it's funny you just brought this up and I don't know why sometimes I obsess on things when I hear By the way, the Dvar Torah of Rav Medan is a lot more intricate 
and 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 much fuller. And I just picked out that one point out of it, so I just don't want people. To but I never really considered the importance of the staffs of Moshe and Aaron. You know, it's funny. They 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 are they play a central yeah, role. So important, and they come before Paro. Right. It turns into a uh, snake, right? The Nitziv, and they and they split the sea with it. Yeah, yes, right. of course, of course. And That's God keeps telling him. I'm, I'm serious. I when, the first time I read it, not the first time I read it. One of the times that I read the story of the snare, and at the end says, and God says, and don't forget the stick. Right. <laughs> you know, um, the Nitziv, in a very interesting um, letter, he's asked about supporting the farmers in Eretz Israel. I didn't even think of this, but this ties right into that. And the people that were writing to him were local people that were upset that money that should have been going to local charities, he was sending, you know, to Israel, the Chovavet Zion. In his Hamek Davar, in the snare where it says that when Moshe asked God, you know, how the Jews going to believe me? So God said, here, I'll show you some miracles. At the burning bush. At right. the burning bush. God says, throw down your stick. It's going to become a snake. Right. And then pick up the snake and it'll become a stick. Right. So the Nitziv makes a, a, a diuk in the language of the, of the verse and says that there was two miracles. One is that it turned into a snake and turned into a stick but that God told him, grab it from the end, from, from the tail. Uh, tail, and when it turned into a stick, Moshe was holding it from the top of the scepter, so to speak. Oh. It was like a double miracle. Right. So then Nitziv says, when God makes the geula, when God creates redemption, it could be that he's going to take what you think is the tail, and it's going to be the top. The fact that you think that the people that are farming the lands and bringing us back to the, to the Eretz Israel and beginning the redemption, and he believed it. He said, it's so obvious that this is what's happening. You think they're the tail. Well, God may disagree with you. God may think they're the head. And as I've said before, the Nitziv says, don't tell God how to do the geula. This is his geula. This is his redemption. You don't like it? Too bad. J.M. and the A.M. as we celebrate Tu Bishvayev. Good news.
Elon done by Aish, volume number uh, one, right? Volume one. Schwiger requested that on the app here at JM and the AM. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Alcom Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Uh, we have our Benji Kramer coming up at 9 o'clock with Meir Lim here at JM and the AM. Our friends at Artscroll have some incredible brand new books out there. Uh, anything you order at artscroll.com, free shipping and major discounts if you use promo code radio. Free shipping, free discount, or I should say major discount if you use promo code radio. Right now, the 30% off Talmud and Mishnah sale is going on at Artscroll, now through February the 20th. Again, remember, free shipping on any amount and major discounts if you use promo code radio. And everything you can imagine, Talmud, Yerushalmi, Ein Yaakov, Tosos, Mishnah, all available right now if you go to artscroll.com. Take advantage of their sale. Go to artscroll.com and enjoy. Ruvain Brick is celebrating a birthday today. Hello there, listener Ruvain. He's going to KFWE with his lovely wife tonight for his birthday. Big Yashikov to everybody at Kedem for the big KFWE event. Um, he says he's a year away from a milestone birthday. Wow, I didn't realize that Ruvain and I were so close in age. Interesting. <laughs> Congratulations to you, sir, and happy birthday from all of us here at JMN. Also, I must wish a happy anniversary to Mr. and Mrs. Pfeffer. Arnold and Helen Pfeffer, Mazal Tov. Yesterday, I had the pleasure of stopping by the uh, 70th anniversary celebration for the Pfeffers. I told them I'd see them at the 80th, please God. But yesterday was 70, pretty amazing. And to the extended family and everybody who is celebrating so many generations, Mazal Tov from all of us here at JMNAM. When you see Jewish families that size, Buliyayin Hara, and you think about what families in our tradition and our, in our heritage have gone through over the years, struggling to even have three generations together. When you see a family like that, you say, wow, what a miraculous time we are living in. What a miraculous time. Anyway, Mazal Tov, Helen and Arnold Pfeffer, longtime listeners of JMNAM, and now married 70 years. Pretty amazing. Baruch Hashem, Liayin Hura, Kainayin Hura. More coming up here at JMNAM. It is our Tubishvat special. That's right. It's our Tubishvat program here at JM in the AM. How about this one from Chaim Parchi at JM in the AM?
Say in the name of Chaim Parchi and Leil Tubishvat and Brachala Tubishvat. JM in the AM. There you have it. Oh, we'll get to the next one. Don't worry. We'll definitely get to the uh, to at least one more Tubishvat selection. Uh, but not before we hear from Mayor Weingarten. A little bit of a background on Tubishvat. I want to thank Avrami for curating the incredible selections from uh, Mayor Weingarten from our past Tubishvat specials so that we can enjoy them this morning and learn from them this morning. Here he is, the late, great Mayor Weingarten, on the topic of Tubishvat at JM in the AM. But I think, in general, we should just remind people what Tubishvat really is. You can do that now. It's You want to you do that now? Well, it's funny because... Um, and anybody who's heard this special in past years is going to, you know, hope that we do this really quickly because there've been. Yeah, no, but but you know, it's. In, I've spoken to a lot of people, and I see how. Oh yeah, I remember hearing something about that. But you know, people, if it's once a year that you hear it, that's true. You don't always remember it, and there are people that haven't listened to this show before, and now are, you know, they're rookies. So it uh, it started in, in our tradition. Um, as a as a point during the year, the fifteenth of Shvat, a point during the year of uh, for for agricultural purposes, how we're supposed to deal with certain mitzvot 
in, in the area of agriculture, right? With certain fru- fruits that that uh, started to form on the tree before Tubishvat, they're considered Tufshin pay fruit. Five, and seven, fruit- eight, oh. Thank you. And um, I always have trouble with the math. And <laughs> after and fruits that started forming on the tree afterwards are Tushin Pei Aleph fruits. Five, and seven, eight, the, one. And, and whatever, that's, the rest is technicalities. Right. But the bottom line is the way the rules of Tumot and Masrot and other rules go, you need to use fruit from a certain year for certain things. So you have to know what, what the new year is. Right. Right. It's like on January 1st, the money that you make after January 1st is taxed as 2021 money. Right. Because January 1st is the new year for the taxes. Right. The baby born on December 31st, you get a tax deduction for 2020. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. When when the kid has a birthday, like from the 25th of December on, he's called a tax baby. Oh, that's so you, interesting. Yeah, because if he was born January 1st, you wouldn't be able to have a deduction on your taxes for right, So the fruit is born before or after right. Tubishvat. That's it. That's all it is. And, and then fact, and then suddenly in Jewish history, the day took on a completely new meaning. Right. So so in its original meaning, which is in the Mishnah, in the first Mishnah, in Masechet Rosh Hashanah, Arba Rosh Hashanah, there are other Rosh Hashanah too. We don't celebrate them. All of them are on a, on a Rosh Chodesh. There's a, a Rosh Hashanah for Petr Hamor. We don't go out and... <laughs> we don't have a okay. Petr Hamor special. Yeah, get a Hamor out, you know, and ride the Hamor through the forest or something. Um, but this has become something that connected the Jewish people when exactly, definitely, definitely after the 1500s, but probably even before that, around the 13, 1400s, where it became a day that the Jews in Chutzla'aretz, who were so removed from the land of Israel, and unlike us, that have ways to always be in touch through so many different means, they were totally, totally disconnected from the land of Israel. And for them to get one small piece of dried out boxer from Eretz Israel, this came from Eretz Israel, was a big, was a big joyous party. Yeah. And so the 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 day developed as fruits of Israel. Later, it developed as planting trees in Israel. Later, it developed in our day, for example ecological issues right the green the, the green ecosystems and so forth over the generations everyone has imbued this one day this simple tax day with new and ideas it's a made up holiday right basically <laughs> we made it up it's it's like we make up minhag sometimes this is a, a made up minhag but jewish it's very jewish very- jewish arbor day so the Arbor Day part is really much later. The idea, origin, the original idea, so to speak, of making it a special day was to what was to help us um, in our yearning for the land of Israel. Right. And um, that is why, and I know that people are going to think I'm joking by bringing this up again, but that is why the dried carob or whatever fruit people can obtain in the diaspora during the dead of winter uh, to commemorate or remember the land of Israel was so vital and important. Right. Imagine you wanted to eat a fruit from Israel right. and you're in Russia. 
Right. And it's 12 feet of snow on the ground. Yeah. So w- what can last also that long trip? You need something that's going to last the trip and won't get ruined. Right. There you go. So dried but carrots. Today, yeah. So that was dried fruit. And right. That's why there's a minute of eating dried fruit. But right. today, for Jews who live in Israel and us that we have a stronger connection to Israel, we don't have to eat dried fruit because our connection between us and Israel is not dried out anymore. Right. It's alive. It's right. blossoming. It's blooming. We should but, eat fresh fruit. But still, I hear the frustration in your voice because still people go for the dried fruit because that was the tradition. People still get fruit that's not from Israel to eat today. Yeah, well, yeah, that's when, even more. When there's produce from Israel actually available. Right. We'll see you later at the Seder on Tubishvat, you know. It's the new year, so let's give a cheer for the trees and plants that grow. So say Shechayanu on a new fruit, get out your brand new home. Then plant some trees and feel the breeze, put on a special show. We'll see you later at the Seder. On Tu Bishvat today, make sure you bring the Charuvim, we'll put them on a tray. So say Shechayanu on a new fruit, even though the sky is gray. With rain on the ground, the fruit will abound, it's Tu Bishvat today. JM in the AM with the Tu Bishvat Seder done by Schlockrock. <laughs> I remember Mayor going crazy <laughs> about the dried fruit at Tubishvat we, we, when we, of course, could have all the real fruit these days from Israel. Some traditions die hard, as Mayor always reminded us. We find ourselves in Harabayit, and we concentrate on the Western Wall. Yeah, obviously that's a completely different level, but... We find ourselves with fresh fruit from Israel. We're eating dried fruit because that's what we did for, for centuries. Tubish Spot Special 5783. My thanks to both Rabbi Kramer and Rabbi Hertzberg. My thanks to all of you for tuning in. Plenty more tomorrow here at JM in the AM. Kosher Halftime Show comes up on Sunday. I'll have a chance to speak more about that tomorrow and throughout the entire week, of course. Tomorrow at 9 a.m., the brand-new show with Rabbi Hertzberg, Israel at 75. That's tomorrow at 9 a.m. Today at 9 a.m., following Hatikva. Right, Benji Kramer with Meir Me Lim right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Round the world of web at NahumSiegel.com on the Nahum Siegel Network and, of course, any beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Monday Tubishvat special here at JM in the AM. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope it's enhanced your day. I hope you recommend it to everybody you know throughout the day so they can have an added experience on this Tubishvat morning or afternoon when they're listening to it, whatever the case may be. Have a fabulous Monday. Chag Tubishvat Sameach. Till tomorrow, Nachum Segal reminding you remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.